In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh, and with me as always is my four-foot-tall, green, uh, ninja-skill-laden, rat-trained, the one, the only. Cowabunga, dude! Travis Rats here. I should have gone with a splinter joke because you're Travis Rats, but Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I figured that would be too easy. All fathers love their sons, Danny. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, I I'm grew up in Asia. We're all, it's all good. I spent 30 years there. We're fine people. <laughs> we're, uh, welcome to the Comic Story Podcast where, where Travis and I dive deep into graphic novels, trades, comic books, or other episodes. We talk about what's going on in the world of nerddom. This is a part of a double feature. Part one of a double feature, Travis. I think I can say that. I think I can, yeah, I can give the people what they're here for two episodes in a row, yeah. a week apart, no less, but. They're gonna. They're. They're. This is a teenage mutant ninja turtle uh, smorgasbord. We're calling this it is, uh, uh, April. April O'Neil, because <laughs> it's in April. This is the teenage mutant. This is the April teenage mutant ninja turtles O'Neil uh, month that we're on, and so we've got two episodes for you where we're talking about yellow trench coats, perms, yeah, non perms, uh, broadcast microphones, uh, weird mouse fetishes. Yes, we're we're getting into all of it at uh, this these two episodes. And this first episode, Chris and I dove into uh, first essentially five issues of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, four issues, and then one about Raphael. Correct. Correct. We read two different versions of this uh, because of how they've probably been packaged a million times over the years. I read the essential black and white Teenage Mutant Turtles Volume One. And then I had to go into volume two to read issue four. Uh, but. And I read uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the ultimate black and white collection volume one. Yeah. So I read the essentials. You read the ultimate collection. Hence, I think the one that you read would be volume one and volume two. of Yes. Because there's like, yeah, there's like eight issues in there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Which is a lot of turtles issues. It's a lot of turtles. Turtle, so turtle. we we went <laughs> Masters of Disguise <laughs> reference. Oh right, we went we went back into classic. Uh, is that a uh, you, you got to do that? Not gonna do yeah. it. Not gonna do it. The Not spear animal it. of the show would be Dana Carvey. <laughs> Dana Carvey. <laughs> uh, of course it is. It, well, this is the uh, mug root beer comic exposure <laughs> show. So, um, diet mug root beer comic exposure is what it is. The Taco Bell Chalupa episode <laughs> of how many? Like right now, right now, there's like five people. Uh, yeah, like, maybe. Oh that. yeah, Dana Carvey show. I love it. Yeah, and how uh, they would start it out. <laughs> yeah, Germans who say nice things. <laughs> Different Just sponsor fantastic. every week. Anyways, yeah. check I'm it not- out, guys. 1994 was a great year. <laughs> Hence why we're reading the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> exactly. Great segue. Sorry. Um, so Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, we're, we're reading the Turtles. And, uh, I, you know, we went in and read some black and white early Eastman and Laird original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Something I had never read Nor as I. a kid. 
Turtles were not a comic book to me. I did not know that they were in a comic book when the Teenage Mutant Turtles hit the TV as a cartoon. When the movie came out, when I had a giant collection of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in my Little Tykes brown football toy box, I did not know that it was a comic book. No, uh, I think I did. Uh, and the only oh, reason Travis why... is cool. And, and, yeah, the only reason why is because... Josh, I, I can't believe it's taken this many years to talk about the Turtles. I know, it's weird. And... and because there were, there's like five things in my childhood that basically ran it. Um, and, or let's go through, like, I wasn't a Lego guy. I wasn't a Hot Wheels guy. I was an action figure guy. And I was a fake guns and weapons guy. So, All right. like, it, it, this was the order. It went He-Man, G.I. Joe, and then Turtles, and then X-Men. Those were the mm. four uh, action yeah. figure uh, eras in that order. Yeah. And uh, Turtles lasted for a long time. I had He-Man and Turtles. I never had, and then I had Transformers. He-Man, mm. Turtles, Transformers. I didn't have G.I. I never had G.I. Joe. I watched it. Never had G.I. Joe toys. I, I can't tell you why I did You're a pacifist. It's okay. Yeah, you know, it, it, it really comes down to that. It comes down to my disdain, the, the military complex. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Truman warned us about it. Um, and you know, oh, hey, hey, some of us work for the Department of Defense, so maybe, maybe, maybe turn uh, down the, the hate a little bit. <laughs> so, um, let's let's dive into it. Black and white Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What were your had you ever read any of this before? No, I hadn't. And, and just to let the audience know, we're gonna do like yeah. an episode now, if you, the one you're listening to, and then we're gonna break for a week and then we're gonna talk about stuff. So, we're gonna go back and forth, but this episode, we really want to focus on the Laird Eastman origins of it and what we thought of it. And then I'm sure we'll get next sidetracked. Week we'll t- yeah. Next week we'll talk TV, ancillary movies, materials and stuff like that. Toys, so if we don't sing the Ninja Turtles cartoon theme song this episode, oh, you wait. Oh, just you, wait. You wait. We'll break that down like it's a Robert Frost poem, man. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, so you'd never read it before? No. Had you had, I mean, I've seen it. Right, but I'd never read it. Right, like no. you've, I've seen it on a shelf. I've seen the original drawings of Everyone, it. Everyone, what have... I had, what I had heard about it is that it was dark and uh, like the turtles were more badass. And I remember yeah. as a kid, people saying that, and I'm like, ooh, I don't even know if if I got my hands on anything like that, if I would be allowed to read it because they made it seem like really dark. And I think that's in yeah. comparison to the cartoon show uh, and maybe even the movie. Um, but it's and, not that dark. No, I mean, and, it is. It's a little rougher. And to be honest, as a child, it's not like I was going. I mean, if you show me a black and white movie, if you, like It's a Wonderful Life, I'm like, it's a fucking boring ass black and white movie. Yeah. Uh, and so it wasn't until uh, my uh, uh, taste in art got past color uh, that yeah. I uh, could appreciate yeah. the black and white uh, magazine style of the original Turtles, also which really I read difficult. on digital. Really <laughs> difficult to tell the Turtles apart. In black and white. Let's Very see. difficult. The cartoon the cartoon did the right thing. The cartoon did the right thing. It picked primary colors for each of the turtles or colors for each of the turtles so you could distinguish them and their attitudes thusly. Yeah. But so the first um, the, the first arc of this uh comic book run, e- Eastman and Laird's comic book run, yeah, is uh the origin of the turtles. Which, right. if you've seen the mo- the original movie, and if you've seen the cartoon show, I mean, 
it, it's hard to keep in in your head what's the real origin of the turtles. I don't, and I think the the interesting thing is because they hit big in these three different mediums. Is there really yeah. is no like set origin? You know, it is kind of an amalgamation of the three, and they all have common elements. But this first one, I feel like the show, the cartoon show, and the movie followed it pretty closely as far as what you get is the origin of the turtles the origin of splinter the rivalry between uh yamato yamoshi uh and um the uh death um, spoiler alert urokusaki urokusaki that's what it is urokusaki i think a different japanese character um and so the first issue hits josh and I, i i what do you know about hey what do you know about the origin of the turtles how much you know? I, where did Eastman and, that, and Laird get this idea from? It feels very much like Daredevil. Mm-hmm. So if you want to compare the two, uh, there's a secret ooze. Daredevil, he gets the chemical that blinds him. He's trained by a dude named Stick. They're trained by a dude named Splinter. It very much feels. But then you take that, and it is just very much Japanese. Like It, it feels very much like the origin of anything older man training the young people who are abandoned right like it feels very much like any story right and i, I want to give you a little uh um something here the foot uh, the about, hand yes a police <laughs> who, who's this sound like a police siren wails close by coming fast when they arrive they will find only that what they uh, uh, what, what is left of the purple dragon gang for for we are yes for we are trained Frank in Miller. the ways in the jitsu, we strike hard and fade away fast into the night. It's like uh, JV Frank Miller. It is. It, it. I mean, you can tell that they're definitely riffing on that era of comic book, right? Like they wanted to do their own thing. They wanted to create their own comic. They came up with what could be the silliest idea ever. I mean, just saying it out loud: Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is. The goofiest thing. I cannot remember so what it was on, the but or- they had like... I'd watch the origin of it, and there's a documentary Samurai on Slugs. It. Uh, really? <laughs> there, no, there was like oh. somebody... There's a cartoon that's that's riffing on this, and it's like something adolescent Samurai Slugs. I can't remember. Like, oh, I, that actually sounds brilliant. <laughs> adolescent something Samurai Slugs. I don't remember what it was. So was the, the origin is Eastman and Larry got together because they were big independent comic fans and yeah. they were really into that stuff. And they started Mirage Comic Studio. This was their own studio company. And they would they worked out of their home office and the origin in the uh, early days, it was just about pumping out ideas until they came up with something that they wanted to write a story on. So they're watching TV one night uh, and Laird... Uh, is just sketching like this little turtle. And you can see the original sketch of Ninja Turtles. Uh, it, it, it basically looks more like a, uh, a, a cartoon strip, you yeah. know, uh, turtle. And they're like, oh, the Ninja Turtles. And, or it was like Teenage Ninja Turtles. And I, I think it was Eastman who added the mutant in there because they had a good vibe to it. And I, honestly, I don't, if mutant wasn't in there, I don't know if it would have hit. I think mutants the important part. I man. think like, mutants the important part. Yeah, and ninja, ninja, like the, ninja is things. the most important part, which they took out of the British uh, versions of it because in England at the time they couldn't use any kind of ninja stuff because of the violence that it it, it made in there. So they were teenage mutant hero turtles. <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
So I, I they're mean, gross, we, but we, they still get girls. That's right. Uh, so we've got this this story, the original one. If you've seen the movie, if you've seen the cartoon, that the ooze. I love like not goo ooze, right? Like it's which it's on them. This they is 1987. The this is also. Like coincidentally, in, in the same time frame as like Nickelodeon coming out, which the turtle is, uh, which yeah. own the turtles now, and ooze and slime. I mean, we really loved our ooze and slime in really the eighties and nineties. Well, if you think about it, it's this outcropping of like B movie, The Blob, and all of these fears of the Cold War, right? Like at nuclear waste and all of these things, kind of like being this boogeyman, yeah. right? And so, and then if you think of like the toxic Avenger and you think of all of these things created by chemical spills, it's a very like fifties and sixties fear, right? Right. Or origin. And so all of these, you know, Laird and all of these guys who grew up as kids in that B movie era, then go, okay, how do we update that? How do we make that what we're doing? And you can see that they use it. It doesn't go away. Yeah. Right. They take it and do the next thing with it. Um, I, Really, uh, I was surprised. I mean, the that Shredder dies so quickly. Spoiler alert, right? Yeah. But he, they don't find his body. Yeah. So you know he he's got to come back at some point. Well, but it was Eastman a really and Laird quick said that intro. they said that we were just going to do one issue. I mean, yeah. it's a, they're forty page issues. You know, these mm-hmm. aren't like you know. Uh, there's a lot of story in each of these issues. And yeah. so, like, there is just like first one. Let's tell the let's tell the origin. Let's have the big fight. And if we never sell anything again because we got to publish three thousand copies on our own dime, then we're yeah. not, then it's good. We have a a, a, a freestanding story. Uh, right. And if, but like, they're smart enough to know, or they've read enough comics. Like, you know, someone can fall off a building and uh, still survive. Right. Like they found his gauntlet. And that's yeah. it, right? Like his he got shre- I guess Shredder he got, got shredded. shredded. Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, dude. So, but like I loved it that then like all the stuff that I love ends up being in these in these issues, right? Like all the things that build the cartoon, the Mousers and you know Baxter Stockman and uh Casey Jones is in here, and Krang, all of the Krang, Krang. and all of that are in here. But I do like that in this one, the Krang are just a bunch of aliens. It's not one guy and a giant robot. That's the cartoon. But it's a whole, like, group of aliens here, which is if you watch the newer, not the newest cartoon, but one of the iterations on Nickelodeon when my when Renner was little, the Krang are just, they're just everywhere. They're just in robots. Yeah. I remember right. in the well, we'll talk about that as other point. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I think that I mean, rereading it now as an adult, not a child. Reading it now as an adult, this yeah. plays, man. It plays. Yeah. It's 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 not satire. It's not quite a parody. It's not quite an homage. It's it really is artists stealing from the best. And, or or it's it's artists stealing from other artists and uh and but somehow this collage of influences that they've pulled yeah. from some most some almost directly like the foot and all that stuff yeah. like that works in a really original fresh way it feels like indie comics it feels like something that we used to um uh 
review indie comics on this show, right? Yeah. And so we've read some good indie comics and some bad indie comics. But this feels like a pair of guys with a vision. And not only that, but they actually took their time with it. Like they made sure it's they got well it right. Paced, yeah. Right. For for being this indie thing, it's it's really well paced. Each issue really tells a solid, hey, we've got this one issue, let's do it. Let's tell the next part of the story, but if this is where it ends, then that's fine, right? It feels like the only one that feels different than that out of these is like issue three and four feel like, okay, now we're telling the story, right? Issue one feels very much like, okay, we could wrap it up. Issue two feels very much like, okay, we could wrap it up. But issue three ends up being like, you know, we've got um, the epilogue with uh, Splinter, you know, getting captured by the by the Krang. And that great reveal at the end of the epilogue where like they're all the the lifeless bodies are sitting at the at the table and like the Krang are up on it. It was so it was so John Carpenter. It was so Yes, yes. uh, It was so it actually was a bit disturbing. Like I I was trying I was thinking about that panel and that's the one that I turned to and tried to put myself as like a kid uh in the eighties when this came out and turning that in nineteen eighty four, nineteen eighty five, turning to that last panel in the third issue and being like, oh, now we got a comic book. Right. That's like, it hits for me like, Oh, okay. This is something, this is something different. This is something, you know, we're taking it. And I think that's the interesting part of it. it it's not cause it, it's not, we're fighting the foot clan for 20 issues. Right. I think about modern comic books, right. And we tell everything in five or six issue arcs. Right. And this feels like something you do you do like an arc on the Foot Clan. You do five or six issues on the Foot Clan. Then you do five or six issues on the next, like the Mousers, right? And But what we get is we get in the third issue, which I guess would be technically the way that these are paced out with how many pages they are, 40 pages, 38 pages. It would end up being like, you know, issue uh, six. Right. You get this reveal of these aliens. But that's a big storytelling leap in modern comics to take place within six issues six issues right yeah no, right absolutely you would you would tell the origin story in two or three issues right like of these turtles and but but the structure of comic books in the 80s the structure of them going hey we, we got to tell this story we're going to do it we're going to do we're going to do big weird things lets them jump from uh this sort of it's scientific because they're mutant ninja turtles, but a very like samurai revenging against, you know, our our master who's been killed, right? What's more, I mean, that's a very tropey samurai, you know, Asian cinema. I have to avenge my master, right? right. My 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 family, that sort of thing. To then brain aliens in you know, who are taking over uh you know uh, New York. Yeah. Right, like a giant leap within there, um, and they're able to do that because of the, the structure of storytelling was so much different then than it is now. And I think that it pays off because they were drawing it together. Like the each of them were a, put some of themselves into each of the panels. Sometimes one person inked the panel, and then the other person penciled the panel. So like they made sure that they were each in all the panels. 
But also in the storytelling as well, I think it would be very easy for something like this to feel just super exposition heavy dump. And at times it is, but it, they, they hide it really well. Like when Splinter's talking about like, and then I named them after Renaissance painters, you know? <laughs> and you're like, okay, but it wasn't, it, it felt comic booky, not bad writing, if that makes sense. The ch- but the chunks of dialogue, although you can have a panel that's exposition-y, the chunks of dialogue are short. Yes. They're not, they're not giant. Yes, I'm explaining something to you, but it's, it's not taking up. It's not when, when Bendis does like two talking heads and it's like the word thought, like the word bubble is half a panel, you know, large. Yeah. But it is to go go back about the, the, uh, the turtles in here. Cause let's use this uh, episode to talk about the turtles. Cause this is their original origin. The turtles are here. So as you said here, obviously it's black and white. So we're not seeing any colors in here and it doesn't matter because they, they imagined all the turtles were going to have red bandanas and that's how they were depicted uh, to begin with uh, these red bandanas. Um, So the really only, only way we could tell them uh, apart is their weapons and a little bit of their dialogue. But I think that might be me coming into it, you know, post Ninja Turtles and putting like, oh, that sounds like Raph or that sounds like... And even then they all have the same, they all have size, they all have bow staffs, right? Like, um, you've got this one. So we talk about the Raphael issue. He has a bow staff at one point and he has his size, right? Yeah. Um, where did he steal that? Does he? he stole that from, oh, you know what? He stole it from, uh, Casey Jones. But I like for me, Raphael is the one who stands out the most because there's right. a, there's, there's an issue about him. And I feel like they don't have, I don't think they have their, rude dudes with attitudes yet right like in these first they haven't they don't, they're not coming the across as teenagers yet really in this right or i mean they're like they're like hey right? you got any beer april i'm like ooh, i'm like that actually does feel very teenager to me but it does feel very it's not as like, 80s pizza teenager. bro which we'll talk about next episode it's <laughs> super heavy yeah <laughs> um yeah yeah, they don't feel as they they feel more like students than teenagers. They feel like more like disciples of Splinter, who happen to be mutant turtles. Then they feel like yeah, surfer, Cali, like fun loving, butt kicking turtles. Right, and but the only one who you get this, the only one who you really get an attitude or a thing for is is Raphael, and that's because he has a standalone issue. And, and Eastman, that was who Eastman says that he wrote because that was him. Uh, and Don, uh, Donatello was, uh, layered, uh, put a lot of, uh, layered into him. Uh, and then Eastman was Raphael. And if you see the two and you hear them talk and give interviews, yeah. you definitely know Eastman thinks of himself as Raphael <laughs> and Laird is like, oh, cool. Oh yeah. I'm like a Donatello. I'm a Donatello guy. Yeah. I like Donatello. it. I like machines and like, uh, Excel spreadsheets. But like I, that, ep- that issue the Raphael Casey Jones issue is one of the best it's written so good. issues out of the four, right? Because it, it is a, the best. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it takes a pause from this, from the, you know, story, if you will. And I can feel the movie in this one. Yeah, right. It's all it. I you know Zay feel, can go bat. Tell me you didn't pay for that. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, Jose can say, yeah, <laughs> this is per- perfect. But like, it very much is taken from the movie, and then Raphael's attitude in the movie is very much taken from this. Right? I lost like, a sigh. Ah! Like just anger, he's so, and like he's so angry. He, call, he thinks people are 
you know, like, you didn't beat me, I'm the best. And he runs away, right? He's sad. He's like, be, there's, I can, in the movie, I can, I haven't watched the movie in a long time, but I can see Raph sitting, like, slumped as the sun sets over Brooklyn on, like, the top of a building, right? Like, mm. that very, very big thing. And in this one, I feel, tells you the most one of these turtles. And I thought this was one of the best issues out of the best issue out of the four yes and a part of or five exactly we read five the saying, best issue out of five just focus on two characters yeah. and boy what a fun character casey jones is the fact that he's a visual ante just because he watches too much trash tv uh like well too he like much watches dirty harry 70s and he watches bronson like yeah and... yeah like the french connection and stuff like that yeah. you know he's just watching like yeah dirty harry and bronson movies and then he's like all right i'll go do that and it's just the 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 aesthetic of the character, the interaction between Raph and Casey Jones, the mutual respect, but the competition between them, it felt like two really interesting characters meeting in there. And you're like, if there was just one Ninja Turtle, you know? Yeah. In some ways, you're like, oh, maybe, I wonder how one Ninja Turtle will do. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. And if it was just Raphael, like, what would you lose? I Raphael, Splinter, and Casey play. Jones. You tell a very different story, right? Yeah. You you lose the brother taking care of brother aspect. It becomes it. the Ronin story. Like it becomes right. the, the, this, the lone samurai. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fun. Which is like, I mean, you and I both started reading that Ronin one. Yeah, which the is last Ronin. Yeah, yeah. Raphael, you know. Michelangelo, I believe. His, is it Michelangelo? I think so. I don't know. But it's like the last turtle, right? Like, and so for me, I agree with you. This was really, I also felt like, it was, this is the first time that it felt a little satirical. And I yes. think that that's a powerful weapon to use in comic books. I think satire is a powerful weapon to comment on dark superheroes a little bit. Mm -hmm. It felt very much like, okay, Frank Miller here. Let's let's, or like, Scorsese. let's talk about score. Yeah. Or Scorsese or look, you, you do look a little uh, raging, uh, raging bull taxi, slash driver. <laughs> taxi driver today. Um, so that, that idea of like, the um out of touch vigilante and you've got Raphael who's awful angry and wants to stop the crime but he goes like dude we can't just kill people yeah right like, like he has I a line that Casey Jones is willing to cross and he has to bring yeah. Casey Jones back uh and it'd be interesting to read further on Casey Jones episodes if that ha if, if there's a reversal of that role where Casey has tension, to bring Ra yeah. Raph back yeah. from crossing those lines well, that would be a good arc, right? That would be a good way, good way to do it. Um, I I loved all four of these. I'm going to continue. I have the volume two, which goes through the eight issues. I'm going to finish reading it because, dude, I just as as someone who digested a bunch of turtles as a kid, this is something I haven't. This is the turtles I feel for like me as, yeah. and maybe you know I'm a 40 year old man, so maybe it's not really for me, but it feels very much like ah. Yes, the now it's like you know it's the adult version, but not <laughs> not like terrible like gro like gratuitous adult, right? Yeah. I think that's the thing that this does differently than when we talk about '90s comic books and we talk about sort of like the preachery sort of like let's be gratuitous. This is pre that, yeah, yeah. right. This is sort of a commentary on sort of the adult nature of comic books, right? Yeah, but it's, not... al it, it's almost like a reaction, a reaction and homage to Frank Miller. Right, right, right. Um, 
out of what so let's talk let's talk characters we talk casey yeah Jones. Oh, cause, uh, let's talk splinter um yeah on here first of all we'll talk about this in a second fantastically designed uh he a looks drawn so good. he looks so looks cool so good. best version of splinter from anything i've seen uh is the yes. original uh first four issues the dark sh- shading which we'll talk about in, in a little bit um i really liked him in this uh in other versions he's a little bit more like oh dad jokey uh yeah this it was just straight up uh like samurai uh right. sensei sense he's a sensei sensei and i will tell you like one of my if i were to if like my second favorite piece of this is the epilogue to issue three where it's just splinter and he has fallen into the sewer he's battling you get Mouses. to see him in action he's battling the mousers he like escapes um but like, like he's trying to escape, but they beat him, and then he's captured, um, and taken, and then he wakes up and escapes again, only to find the the uh, the Krang. Right, that is probably my second favorite part of these these issues that we read is that, um, is is that piece with Splinter. Yeah, and I don't know why. I don't know why if it's if it's the same thing. Like our Splinter was like Splinter who didn't do much and yeah. Splinter who didn't. Who was like, oh boy, old man? Yeah, 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 yeah. This felt this Michael felt cooler. Yeah, this sorry, angry, Master Splinter. Got a piece of pizza on his face. Right, I made yeah. another funny. <laughs> You're like, oh, dad joke, Splinter. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I do like him, and it's so. I mean, Splinter is such an iconic character that when you say the word Splinter, I think of the rat sensei more than I do yeah. like something you get stuck in your finger. <laughs> Oh, what about, what about uh, since this is, this is uh, April O'Neil month? What about April O'Neil? I so I feel April. Um, so is it Eastman or Laird who says it's his, his girlfriend, his old his girlfriend, girl, yeah, his yeah. old girlfriend that he that he brings it off of. What I think is really interesting is as we talk to like it's definitely Eastman Laird probably didn't know. Yeah, we we talk <laughs> about like in volume in that in that issue five or issue four where she's back with the perm, like her hair gets done. Yeah. And she really represents what they wanted her to represent was sort of this, a, 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 a woman of color, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whether, you know, that New York, Puerto Rican, black, you know, that, that, that sort of character, you get much more in issue four than yes. you do when you first meet her. Her hair is straighter. Um, and she's not shaded the same as she is in those, in, Correct. in, in, in the other issues. Um, and she I think got, you can do that as Rosie Perez. Right. Um, but, but I think like one of the things that, that you get, that feels way more New York. Yeah. Right. I agree. Than, than, you know, red haired, you know, cinched waist, yellow yeah. jumpsuit. And it's interesting. And this, when we meet April O'Neil, she's not a reporter. She's like a lab assistant. Right. And but she's like she's still tough, right? Like yeah. you get her you get her to be it tough. It still feels sort of, very April, like the April that we knew from the cartoon and the movies and, right. and things like that for sure. Uh but I feel like I really like the characterization that you get of her in that in that issue uh in issue 4 where you get her sort of being they're living with her Right. Or she knows where they live. They're living above ground. And that issue, they had to leave the sewers because of the mousers. She's interacting with them. They 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 give her this more powerful, like 
sexy April O'Neil on yeah. that. And I don't know how to explain it otherwise. Yeah. And like, oh, I think she's drawn a little differently. In this new Seth Rogen one, they're making April uh, a person of color. Yes. Yeah. They, they are. She is in, she is in another one of the cartoons as well. It was April ends up being a young girl. Um, oh, okay. in one of the other cartoons they did, but I really do. I think that that feels, it feels more New York. It feels more like, I don't, I don't know. It feels more authentic. Yes. If that I makes agree. Sense, yeah, right? yeah. 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 And, and as opposed to the, the news reporter and I'm curious, like there are things that Nickelodeon did that I'm curious with a cartoon, like why things were, I mean, I know why that was, I mean, like it's yeah. America in the nineties, it's going to be a, you know, like, how do we do it? Oh, it's going to be a white girl. Right. I don't, yeah. I don't, you know, like, but then you think of that time period in Nickelodeon just a couple years later would have far more cartoons um, with people of color in it. And then somehow they went away again. And now, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I remember like you and I like cartoons we had like, think of like captain planet <laughs> like there's like one white kid right and every and you know like everybody else yeah. is a person of color and, and but then like i don't i'm not exactly sure what happened and maybe i'm going off on a tangent but that april o'neill feels much more authentic and much more real yeah than i think the cartoon one because I, I we're going to talk about this on the next episode but we both watched an episode of the cartoon to talk yeah. about and it and it felt this april felt more real than the other one if that makes sense. Um, but I, I really thought it was a great character. You have to have that human. Yeah. And it can't be Casey Jones because Casey Jones isn't a normal human. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's more crazy than the turtles. Like he's more outlandish than the turtles. You need someone to get roped in to it, to be us. Yes. Right. To to be, to, to be the cipher for for the person reading it. Yeah. This is crazy. Right. Like, but like accept it. And when April accepts it, we're, we're more likely to accept it. Right. And April's like, whatever, guys. Robot yeah, Mousers. Yeah, I helped build them. I didn't think he was going to use them for evil. <laughs> it was going to help control the rat population, yeah. right? Um, art. I, yeah. Let's yeah, talk art. art. I, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's not pretty, but it's good and it works and it's good in a way of like, I mean, it feels and looks like Indie comics. It's, from yeah, the 80s, it, it, right? that's what it is. It's like, hey, if you're gonna listen to like an old Sex Pistols recording, it's it's gonna sound. I mean, if you, it's not, it you're like, wow, you do this with what? Like, oh, in like a backlot studio with like one microphone, you played it live or whatever it is. Yeah, this is and, what and, it feels like. It's like, oh wait, you wait, you did this. I mean, there's a ton of detail in some of these panels and yeah. a, a lot of inking, a lot a of ton, inking, like I, a ton I, of inking. I don't know if you could ink a comic more than the original <laughs> there Ninja are Turtles. there's some serious ink in some of these panels you're like that is so dark is that that splinter but i can't really see i can't really see him uh but at the same time it's great um i agree with you like there's something you know that it you you know like you said you listen to that old sex pistol rucker but i think of like all of the 80s hardcore right mm-hmm. like you think of you know um you listen to old bad brains or you listen to you know, minor threat, black flag, all this stuff. Like it, the recordings are terrible. Like you said, they're not great, but there's something powerful and angsty and like it's passion. It you hits, can see the passion coming you. through. Right. Yeah. And so you can see that in this. And let's do, I mean, the designs are great. The Mousers is a fantastic 
this fantastic design. The Krang is that's a, the, where the art comes in. It's not so right? much the execution, but the ideas are. I, I mean, it's almost hard to separate because all these images are so ingrained in us that they weren't, you know, uh, right. But to, to think that they, ca- yeah, that, that they came from, you know, this is imagination and it comes from this real thing. Um, and you get this idea of the turtles. And then when the turtles don't have the bandanas on, you're like, Oh, they do look goofy. Right. But like, they look weird when they do that in the cartoon. Right. And to like, think of how much the cartoon just, they, they make it a little more polished but they don't change much on any Mm -mm. of these designs. Mm -mm. And I think that's the power of this, this book and this comic is that even though, even though this is rough eighties indie comic, the designs are so good that the, when it turns into a cartoon, when it turns into another property, when it turns into a movie, the designs are very similar, right? Like yeah. Shredder is Shredder. He's a little more lithe and a little more skinny in this version. But how that's like one of the coolest costumes ever. Like think of a think of an iconic iconic costumes. Darth Vader, Shredder, right? Like those are like iconic villain oh, costumes. And there's a couple of scenes where Shredder's jumping from like rooftop to rooftop in here, which just looks so badass. Like when yes. he's all in dark shadows. Uh, and jumping across the roofs here, yeah, it's just it's so cool. And yeah, he is smaller. He is more ninja y. He moves more like a ninja than he does in you know some of the other versions of uh, of Ninja Turtles. But it, it's just so cool. And I think that so we're gonna put a pin in it here because I think that's a good segue. Yeah. Is all right. This we looked at the first four issues, like the 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 origin, like where this came in, and really yeah. after the first three issues is when they started taking this stuff and started putting it out into branding and picking it up, and that's really where the turtles become the turtles. Is the people outside of uh, Laird and Eastman who were able to take the aesthetic concepts of that and run with it and be like, doesn't right. this look badass? What can we do with this? So, well, and then the then the idea of like, how, and we'll talk about this on the next episode, but the toyification of properties in the eighties and nineties, right? Right. Like that's a key part of of the Ninja Turtles for you. And, and what do I. we think about that? Like, like, yeah, like like where does it go right? When does it go right? And when does it go wrong? You know. Let, let's let's talk. Pan, do you have a panel? Did you have a favorite yeah, panel that, for this that, one? That shredder panel. I'm gonna say just because it's just uh, the tip of my. Uh, and we're at different issues here, but in issue number one, it's, it's yeah. like a little more than three fourths into the book, and Shredder is like uh, page twenty six, I think. And it's is. really kind of cool, and I didn't, I didn't say it's enough about. It. I think Eastman was more the panel layout guy, but so it's broken down into three panels, and then yeah. kind of split on a page. And that third panel is actually a larger figure that takes up. All, yeah. So it's it, a great, great shot. Yeah. And then mine is literally the next page and it's splinter or I mean, it's shredder kind of uh, kneeling down on page 27. It's a weird perspective. His one arm looks too big, but it works and it's come face your doom foot. Join me. It's like right before they battle him. It's this very large shot. Again, you break up the panels with this overextended picture that breaks into like, 
The point on his helmet breaks into the panel above. His hand breaks through the panel border below. And it's a very forced perspective of making him seem bigger and larger in life. And I, you know, we didn't talk about it, but I, I, I think really quickly, like the panel layout and what feels very cinemagra- cinematography of it. I think that's the thing that sometimes this does better than indie comics that we've read before or that were sent to us when we were doing stuff like that. Like this makes you they, know that Laird and Eastman weren't hobbyists that they, and they, they, were, they were storytellers yeah. man. like they knew how to do it. It feels very like there's panels where it zooms in on the, on like the, just the mask. It feels like they were watching samurai films and they did their homework and they were figuring out how do we do this and make it and make it work? This is uh, Eastman Laird. This and I think it's really important. That this is like their like a, a, their venture out there, and this is these are well studied comic yeah. book artists and writers. This is like yeah. when Tarantino makes Reservoir Dogs. And you're like, well, how does it come <laughs> yeah. out of the box so good? You're like, because I mean, they've been li- living and breathing this stuff for a long time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's and it's really well done for what they had to work with. So, who do you give it to, Travis? Uh, I mean, I think, I think, I think, like, honestly, needing and having to do like a reread of the first Superman or a Batman, I think if you're going to, I think if you're going to be in the world of superheroes at all, if you're going to call yourself a comic book fan, uh, I think that these are at least the first four issues are something that you need to be aware of. I I agree with you. This is something I've wanted to read for a long time. Yeah. but just never did. I'm almost ashamed um, of like not having read this before. <laughs> it was it was a it was a blast. It was a ton of fun. I'm gonna finish reading those first eight issues um, and really get. I I want to know where it goes because for me it's that game of oh this is where the TV show got it. Mm-hmm. Oh this is where the movie got it. Oh this is where this is like Mutagen Man and all of these things are are in these traveling the video game oh my god we got to talk about the video game Mm -hmm. on the next episode right like all of those ideas coming from there so folks you can find the show at comic exposure on your favorite app check it out um with your friends your family your grandmother whoever you want if they're they're into turtles they should check this out (laughs) or you know if they like turtles and ninjas and mutants you know give it a frank miller four quadrants frank miller four quadrants yeah quadrants uh check it out and uh yeah man i think that's it website follow the thing all the good stuff we'll see you next turtle